Well, good morning. Hey, if you're still in the foyer, there's still some people walking in. You can come in and join us and grab a seat. How are you guys doing? You doing all right? Everybody tired of snow? Just a little bit? I'm from Texas, so I'm not tired of snow. Not yet, but I'm tired of my kids asking me if they can go play in it and dirty the house up. So, But they had a lot of fun, so I hope you guys did too. Um, this morning, uh, we are going to be looking at shame. And I know that's kind of a kind of a tricky subject when you come to church. Typically when you when you land in a church service, most of the time, most of you have probably experienced being shamed during a sermon, right? Um, I'm hoping today that, that you leave here with a better feeling um, than when you came in and a better feeling of, of maybe if a church has, you've felt that in the past, leaving a message. I'm hoping today you don't, you don't leave here today um, feeling shame and guilt. I hope you leave here today feeling rescued and redeemed. That's my goal today. So what happened to me this week is for, for about three weeks I've known that I'm going to preach today. And so I had my sermon all prepped. And this week I was going to spend an entire week practicing. So I'd get up here this morning and just be flawless among you, right in front of you. Um, but on Thursday, Jesus decided that I needed to speak on something else. So he changed all that. So we're going to walk through this together this morning. Is that all right? We're good? Hey, listen, if you've got uh, one of our guest Bibles, it's one of the, the Bibles that we give as gifts that David spoke about. You're going to be on page 765. If you've got your own Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 8, beginning in verse 2. We're going to be looking at the story of the adulterous woman this morning. Um, some of you are familiar with that story. Some of you are not. Again, if you're in our guest Bible, it's page 765. And if you don't have one of those, you're welcome to go grab one uh, real quick. But as we look, as you're flipping there, I just want to talk briefly. As we look at shame today, I want to point out just the severity of it. I just want to get real for a moment and look at it. There's not a, probably a person in here that has not ever felt shame on some level or guilt on some level. So I want to just focus on shame this morning. And, and shame is, is, is defined this way by some. As shame is an intense feeling of angst that makes you wish you could evaporate. Right? So evaporate, just disappear. Go away, hide, run, whatever you want to stick in there. You don't want to be seen. It's extreme humiliation and then remorse sets in, right? Regardless of what you've done, what sin or, or, or shame that has occurred, you want to run and hide. Charles Spurgeon, he defines it this way. He says, and, th- and this, really, this really hit me t- really, really tough. So it says, shame is so frightful to man that it is one of the ingredients of hell itself. Right? That's pretty, that's pretty, pretty tough. It's pretty deep. He says, it is one of the bitterest drops in that awful cup of misery. So this morning, I mean, if you're, if you're drinking of the bitterest cup of misery this morning, some of you are, some of you are not. We're going to look at this story. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try, try to see ourselves in this story um, in, a, in a couple different ways. And then we're really going to try to see the city and how we can help and reach and redeem the city through, through the power of Jesus. Okay, so that's our goal this morning. So we're going to look at the story of shame. Uh, the story encompasses both the accused and the accuser, right? We'll get to that in a second. By the end of it, though, hopefully we can see grace that Jesus offers very clearly as Matt as Matt was praying, and that and that God is gracious, so we don't or so we uh, is it prove ourselves? Yes, I'm sorry. God is gracious. I looked at the bottom one first. God is gracious, so I need not prove myself. We've been walking through this series of We Are Different, and before Jesus, you're not familiar this morning. That's where you're going to find um, find me hanging around most of the time, but all four of them really this morning, I had a really hard time picking this out, 
All four of them really apply to this story this morning. Um, but, but that's the one we're going to mainly focus on. So I'm fixing to read the scriptures. And as I read, and if you read along, that's fine. But I want you to find yourself in the story. Look deep inside. Right? We're going to talk about we're going to talk about an accused woman. We're going to talk about accusers. And then we're going to, we're going to look at Jesus, too. So I want you to try, to try to find yourself. I want you to find the tension, right? Dealing in the story, the tension you have with the scripture. Um, dealing with God and, and healing you from it. I really want you to look into this. Um, and then those that aren't feeling shame, if you're, if you're like, I mean, Chris, I'm good. Like, I don't, I'm good. I want you to look at how you shamed others. Okay, so we're going to look at that too. Because if you're in here this morning, you feel great about yourself. I'm sure at some moment in time, you drug somebody's garbage, right, out and just dump it on the, dump it on the street. Whatever that looks like. Looks at market, looks like Market Square in front of Soccer Taco. I don't know. Whatever you, whatever your cup of tea is, Facebook, whatever. You just, just put yourself in that. But after that, we want to, out of obedience, ask for repentance, right? Seek to apologize to those we've wronged and seek repentance from Jesus because grace is offered to both of those people, right? Both people groups, grace is offered to both of those. So I'm going to read page 765 in your, in your, in your guest Bible or the, the, the gift Bible. It says, uh, I need my Bible. Open that up. Okay. Starting verse 2. It says, early in the morning he came to the temple. All the people, and we know we're talking about Jesus, right? So Jesus came to the temple. All the people came to him and sat down and, and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, and he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask, he stood up and said to them, Let him, the famous words, let him who is, out, who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman, standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Um, just pray with me. Father, as we, uh, as we take off on this journey, God, this morning, um, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come. God, it would, that uh, you would reveal yourselves to us this morning, both, both saved and sinner this morning. Just got to pray that, that we, we see you clearly, God, in the passage and the text. And, and by no means is my goal this morning to shame condemn, God, but that your Holy Spirit would convict and move, and that we would see Jesus' grace and the grace you offered us through your Son. God, we just ask you to be with us this morning. Be with me. And then we pray. Amen. All day. That's going to happen all day. It happened last week. You were here last week, so I don't want you to get ripped off this week, so we're going to do it again this week. All right. So... Tensions. Let's look at the tensions in the scripture. I'm just gonna, if you don't, if you're reading that, I read it too fast. I get that, so we're gonna look at some tensions, and we're gonna head, head headlong into this deal. 
Some tensions you might be having with the passages of these, these Pharisees, right? They brought this woman out and put her on display. You don't like that. I don't like that. They drug this woman out. The reason you don't like it is because you find yourself in her shoes. So they drug her out. They put her on display, right? Another tension is that, that, that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't condemn her. He frees her, right? He dismisses her. So there's no, you're looking going, wait a minute, I've experienced adultery. Right? I know the feeling of that. This man just let this woman walk free. Right? You don't like that she's alone. Because notice there's no other man standing with her. There's no other, the man that was caught in the act is not, is not with her. Right? So you don't like that. I also didn't like that she was quiet. She's just standing there. She doesn't say a word until the end. She says three words, no one will. But she's quiet the entire time she's being accused. The biggest, I think the biggest one for me is that we're more like the woman adulterer and the Pharisees than we'd like to admit. Right? We're more like those two in the story than we would like to admit. But, but the grace that's offered at the end of the story provides the biggest tension. Right? Because it requires, it requires nothing from her and it gratifies no one. Right? Except Jesus. It doesn't gratify, it doesn't gratify us, it doesn't glorify us, and only it only gratifies and glorifies God. And we don't like that. Right? We don't like that. We want to be the hero of our story. We want, we want, we want to, we want to save and we want to redeem and rescue. And Jesus does that in the story for us. So they're in the temple. It's early in the morning. So much like today, right? We're not in the temple. We're in a school, but picture that. We're gathered here. Jesus is teaching. I'm not Jesus. Just make that clear. I'm not Jesus. Everybody understand that? I don't have flowing locks and all that stuff. So I'm not Jesus, but Jesus is teaching, right? He's preaching. It's a crowd gathered. So imagine somebody right now busting the doors with a woman. There's a group of people that bust in the doors and drag this woman down, probably naked, right? Or very little covering her up because she's just been yanked, right, from, from passion, right? And she's, and she's brought down here, right here. And they, start, and they start chanting, you know, her sin. So that's what we're looking at. That's kind of the setting that's going on right now. And as we look at the woman, right, she's silent. Until Jesus says, until Jesus says anything, she's silent. She stands there just, I mean, crazy. I, I don't know if she's going crazy on the inside. It doesn't say. I'm just curious, though, as I read this, I wonder if she was comforted by Jesus being there. Right? I wonder if she felt comfort. Right? Because, I mean, me, I would have been, I mean, going ballistic. Right? Crying, wailing. I mean, they want to stone her. Does anybody, does anybody know what that looked like back then? I mean, I did a little research on this. Stoning wasn't just, I mean, as bad as it sounds as it is, just dragging someone out, throwing rocks at them, which is horrible in itself. They wanted to, they wanted to bury this woman, right, from the waist down, tie her hands behind her back, and throw rocks at her face. That's what a stoning looked like. Now, it's bad enough to think that if you were going to stone me this morning, you would just chunk stuff at me. But I've got, I got wiggle room. I can move. I don't know if anybody's ever been hands tied behind their back and buried to their waist down. But I imagine you can't get a lot of, not a lot of wiggle room going on. So that's what, so for me, if I know that that's what they're calling for, and, and, and clearly, you know, as they lay out by the law, Moses, they have every right to do it per, per the law, right? So in their minds, they're right. You know, of course, there's something else going on here. But, so I would be, I would be dying on the inside. But, but when she, she, she's silent all the way up until he, he, he says, woman, has anyone condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. I find it interesting that she's, she calls him Lord. 
Like that she says, she, she calls him Lord, she recognizes him as Christ. She stands accused, but is it true? I mean, we don't know. We, we know that the Pharisees were trying to trap him, right? They were trying to, they were trying to bring a charge against him. Um, I know how dark and evil our hearts can be. I'm not, I'm not saying she was innocent. I don't know that. But I do know that she stands accused, and, and we don't know if it's true or not. But, but, but does it really matter? To you, does it matter if she, was, if she was in sin or not, if she's guilty or not? It does on some level, right? Because we want to be right. That's some, some of that tension there. Is we want to we see this woman as a sinner, not caring, not caring for repentance, right? That's what should matter. It was the repentance offered. Was she, was she repentant of her sin? And I mean, surely there's some kind of sin there, whether it's adultery or some other kind of sin, right? We deal with that. All of us can see ourselves in this woman, right? In this passage. Agreed? Amen? Anybody? Okay. No. Okay. So y'all aren't the woman. <laughs> but why is she sinning? We have, to, we have to take it all the way back. I'm going to take you way back, way back. We have to take it back to Genesis in the garden. Right? Where there was a man and a woman living life with God. Right? Created. Creators. Or creator. Created. And a, and a sin occurs, right? The original sin. An apple is, an apple is bitten. Right? A t- temptation, is, temptation happens. An apple is bitten, and sin enters the world and sets in motion God's redemptive plan, right? That's why they're even standing in the midst of this, of this temple with this woman. And I, I find myself relating really well with this woman as, as we look. And, and some of you know my story, some of you don't. But in 2008, I was a firefighter back in Midland, Texas. And um, in 2008, I found myself in the middle of an adulterous relationship. Um, I was, I was, I, I walked out of my family. I had, I had told my wife I wanted a divorce, right? Left her, my kids, two beautiful girls. Um, walking in sin, just like this. Um, and where, where shame wrecks, right? Where shame wrecks, grace rescues, right? And that's, that's what, that's what happened with me. Right, my 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 sin, the law, shame, it wrecked me. Right, I don't have to go into the details. You you can probably imagine what my wife was experiencing. Right, she had nothing nothing to do with that directly, but she was feeling shame. She was shamed publicly. Right, and so what happened for me, the switch that was for me was was that I had to realize that my sin is no different than anyone else's sin. My sin is no different than in this woman here, my sin is no different than Adam's sin. Right? But there's, there's grace because we, 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 we deserve death. Adam deserved death in the garden. Right? Sin entered the world. He deserved death. But grace, grace was given there. And it's given here in this story. Given in my life. Given in your life. Right? This morning, grace is offered to you freely. But the Pharisees, real quick, switch gears. Let's shift down again. You know, second gear here. Look at the Pharisees. We see ourselves here again. Right? They bring, they bring this woman out and they label her an adulteress. They drag her out and bring her out and label, label, label. Can't talk this morning. Label her an adulteress. So this morning, I want you to look at who have you labeled. Right? Again, 
I'm not trying to force shame or guilt on you in this way. I'm just asking you to think about that. Think through that. Who have you labeled? Right? They, they tested God. They brought, it says that they, they did this to test him. So where, where have we tested God? Where in your life are you testing God? Because we know anytime God is tested in this book, it never ends well. So I advise against testing God. They badger him. They continually go to him, right? Seeking punishment. Seeking this woman's punishment. They continue and continue and continue to badger him. They try to trap him by making more of themselves. They want to be right. I mean, I, mean, I want to be right all the time. My wife will tell you straight up, that's probably one of the weakest points in my life is that I want to be right. I have to be right. We were with some of our friends the other night, the hollers, we were at their house, and, and we, we were talking about something silly. I don't even know what we were talking about. But as soon as I got that red flag went up that somebody disagreed with me, I pulled out my phone, went straight to Google. Yeah? Prove your own. You know what it was? It was Nacho Libre. That's what it was. And me and Amy Holler, I said that the priest slaps Nacho, and she said, no, he punches Nacho. I said, no, he doesn't. I'm going to do my phone now. My wife says, hey, hey, hey. Do you want to be right right now, or do you want to have a friend? And I thought, oh, gosh. <laughs> so I put my phone back in my pocket. So I'm bad about it. I'm horrible, horrible about that. I want to be right. And that's what they would, they wanted to be right. And among other things, they, they, they wanted to trap God. They were testing God. They wanted to catch him in opposition to the law. There was a lot of different things going on. But the biggest glaring issue for me is there's error in their charge, right? There's no man with this woman. That they brought. They only brought her. And I know some of you that, that rips you up makes you mad, right? Because you've been a part of a relationship right, like that. Or you've been, you've been blamed for doing something that somebody else participated in. You were brought forward, you know, if, if you're a kiddo in front of your parents, right? Your sister did it. That's how I grew up. My sister was seven years older than me. She did it, but I got blamed for it, right? Because I, I was the younger brother. So, so we see that. But the, 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 the glaring, though, the glaring issue there is that we get it wrong. They were wrong. Right? As much as they were right, they were wrong. And we get it wrong all the time. We don't have all the facts. You know, we don't know the whole story. And we drag people in front of others, God, whoever, we get it wrong. And for the accusers, for these Pharisees, in looking at them, he says, let, let him without sin throw the first stone. Right? Paraphrase. Are, are any of us this morning without sin? Can we just lay, lay a foundation of no one in here this morning is without sin? Right? So where are we the, where are we the accusers? I want, don't raise your hand, but who here has, has drugged somebody's garbage out on Facebook or Twitter? Nobody raise your hands because I'm friends with somebody on Facebook. So That happens, right? I just read an article last week of how, how social media... Right, is ripping people's lives apart. Somebody take a, takes a, a selfie in front of something that maybe they're not supposed to, they shouldn't be, and they share it right on Facebook. And within 12 hours, their lives are destroyed. They're getting fired from their jobs. Right, the landlord's locked them out of their apartment. They've got to change their name. They're moving to Australia. I mean, it's crazy. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I mean, people are. It's destroying people's lives, and, and people make mistakes. Right, I'm not condoning the action of them being on. On Facebook and taking a picture where they shouldn't have or posting something maybe they shouldn't have. I'm not saying that. I mean, we need to look at what we're doing all at all times. We need to we need to be filtering that stuff through the gospel. But still, 
This happens. And we see the same thing happen in the garden with Adam. Right? Adam, Adam suddenly becomes the accuser. He suddenly becomes the Pharisee. And God shows up after he's bitten the apple and, 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 and he knows something's up. And they're hiding from God. They're taking Kevin's class. I'm sure that he's, he's going to be talking about this. They're hiding. They're hiding from God. And, and, and then when God asks him, you know, why? He says, the woman you gave me. That woman. She did it. Right? He points to her. And these guys, these Pharisees here, are pointing to this woman. They're blaming her. The stories are no different. And there, <clears throat> in this story, i gotta, I got to share a funny story, but hopefully it'll be funny. I don't know. Are there any police officers in here? Anybody a police officer? Raise your hand, please. Not that I'm going to talk bad about police officers. I just want to make sure. But uh, what happened to me a couple weeks ago is I was on my way to the laundromat. If y'all know about the laundromat ministry we have on Fridays? Come see me. I'll tell you all about it. We're on our way. I'm on my way to the laundromat. I'm going down paper mill. And God sovereignly blessed me with a police officer sitting at Coleman and paper mill. Right? He's sitting right there. And I'm cruising down paper mill. And I see him. And I look down at my, my speedometer, and I'm like, oh, you know. And so I pass him, and I'm cringing, right? Cringing, cringing, he's going to do it. Like, come on, oh, maybe he's getting another guy. Oh, it's me. So we, I, you know, we go down. And immediately, what happens in your body? What happens in your body when you see blue and red lights come on behind you? you, you immediately, you're guilty, right? Shame. You're just like, oh, gosh. You become the best driver in Knoxville and probably on the planet. Just kidding. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. So you got the, you got both hands on the steering wheel, right? First, you check the seatbelt. Did I want seatbelt? Okay. Hands on the steering wheel. Both, both ten and two, ten and two. Stereo, ten and two. Okay. Phone. Where's my phone? Oh no. Oh, I'm on my phone. I better hang up my phone. I'm gonna do that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is all happening right all at the same time. And then you've got the, you've got the, where do I pull over? Right? Because that's in your head. You've got to make sure you don't want to get too much distance in between you and him because you don't want him to think you're running, right? Because then it goes from one cop to 15. We've all seen OJ Chase, right? It just whoo, turns into a multitude. Then you're trying to then you're trying to find a place to pull over that's not too scary, right? You're trying to find a very public place to pull over because you don't want him to think that you're leading him down some alley or don't make too many turns. So if anybody's been down paper mill, there's not too many places to pull over, right? Except Big, huge office building, right? A big red brick one on the right. So that's where I pull into, and guess what happens? I immediately see faces pressed against the window, right? All the window lickers come out. Here we go, right? Phones come out. What's this guy going to do? And I'm being, I'm being judged, right? I'm being judged, tried, convicted in those office buildings before anybody knows what's going on. They won't ever know what's going on, right? But that's what, that's what we do. And I'm, I'm sitting there feeling shame and guilt as well. Without even and, and never fails, they walk up to the car. Even how and I listen, I totally get it. I mean, I would, if I was a police officer, I'd be doing the exact same thing. But they walk up to the car, and the way they're walking up to the car makes you feel guilty, right? I mean, it's like you know, it's like oh, okay, okay, okay. So you're rolling out your window, you know, you're trying not to dig in the dash. I mean, all this is you've been pulled over, you know this. And they ask the question that they always ask, right? Do you know how fast you were going? Right? So immediately I activate my inner lawyer, because if y'all didn't know it, I, I graduated from law school. I was my own professor. So I know 
I know how to, how to treat, handle the situation. And I say, and it, it bugs me, though, that they ask that in the first place. But I say, yes. When I saw you, I looked down. My speedometer said 46. And he said, I got you at 53. Did the Luke thing. You know, Luke turns his head sometimes. And I went, why did you, then why did you ask me? Right? No, no, don't do that. I said, why, why did, then why did you ask me? I mean, if you knew and you were going to tell me how fast I was going, you know, how, how, I have no room. Why am I doing that right now? Because I want to be right. I want to be right. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I was like, let me pull my phone out and Google how fast I was going real quick and see, <laughs> see what Google has to say. Okay, Google. You know, so anyway, um, so I believe that God ordained that ticket. And if you'd like to help us pay it, you can give online at legacyandoxel.com. <laughs> Yes. See, babe, I'm going to get it paid for. Told you. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Looks like, what? He's not here today, so he'd be like, what's going on? So, we, I mean, that, that's what we do. We, we judge, we accuse, we label, right? Those people in the offices. I'm probably on Facebook or Facebook, 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 Facebook or Twitter. I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm sure I'm on YouTube. I didn't do anything entertaining, so maybe not. But I'm just saying that that's what we do, right? Want to be right. But Jesus, in this, in this story, right, Jesus, no one can have the patience he has. He's, he remains silent when they, when they come up, right? He remains silent. So he's, he's there. He's not saying anything. When they, and, I, and I believe 100% with all my heart that this is totally on purpose, that this isn't by accident. It's not like he didn't know what to say, right? So, so it's not that he's sitting there going, I wonder how I'm going to deal with this. No, no, he's being silent. And he, and he stoops down at the same time. All right, so he's silent and he stoops down. It says he stoops. If you look up some historical data on that word, that was a, a sign of disrespect-ish, right? I don't like to see Jesus as disrespectful, but he was stooping down, not acknowledging what they were saying, basically because he wasn't going to play their games, right? He wasn't going to debate with them. He wasn't going to pull out his phone and Google and find out if they're right or not, right? He's going after their heart. And so what he does is interesting. This is the, the most interesting and best part of the story to me is he draws in the dirt. So he bends down and he draws in the dirt. And, and listen, there's been like 2,000 years of study on what he actually did in the dirt. Just so we're clear. Drawing in the dirt. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I still don't know. And no one does. Okay? So imagine what you wish. Um, I, just, I just know that the, the finger that stirred the oceans was doodling in the dirt. That's all I know. I mean, maybe he was writing their sin. Right? Maybe he was sitting there scratching these Pharisees, these guys that brought in. Maybe he was scratching their sin in the dirt. I've seen it, seen it that he drew a line. You know, we've all seen that. He drew a line in the dirt. Maybe he wrote Deuteronomy 22.22. That's the, that's the scripture these guys were referencing that, that, uh, that, that they had the the right to stone this woman. All right, maybe that's what that's what they were looking at. But he's you notice that he's very, very slow to speak. Regardless of what he's writing, he's slow to speak. And then he quits her. Let's her go. No condemnation. Even though he will not be acquitted. Sometime later he won't be acquitted of his charges. But he quits her. Right? He shows grace as his father does by sending his son. 
And he convicts as the Holy Spirit does, right? They get convicted. He tells them. He says, he says a phrase, right? He says a, a simple phrase of 17 words. And it convicts. And they drop their stone and they walk away. Right? Starting with the old guys. The old guys that look inward and see their, their life of, of, of sin. But he requires nothing from her. Love, love is grace seeking you with nothing, with nothing in return, with requiring nothing in return. It's seeking you. Love is, love is grace seeking you, requiring nothing in return. And he requires nothing from this woman. And if we point back to the garden again, taking you back again, so we have original sin, and then and then the, the shaming, the accused, the pointing the finger, the blame. What does God do? Anyone know? Grace. He closed them, right? He closed them. He could have killed them. Could have started over, wiped the slate clean. It wouldn't have been hard. There were only two of them. Right? Could have made them like that. He also could have killed them like that, and he didn't. He closed them. And his response to, their, to, to this woman's sin and the response to our sin is simple. It's neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. It's his response. Because shame wrecks, then grace rescues. Right? Guardian, all the way through. This book, this book is a, no matter what the size, shape you've got in your hand or this morning or on a phone, this book is chock full of illustrations and stories of where shame is wrecked over and over and over again and grace rescues every single time. That's what this book is. So have you ever wondered what God, how God reacts to your failure this morning? Because you will fail. You will fail. You'll fall. This morning, some of you won't make it out of the parking lot before you fail. Yell at your, yell at your wife. But there's grace offered for those people in that moment. As simple as that, there's grace offered to everyone in this room this morning. And I hope you, hope you leave here today, right, not thinking a word about what I've said other than what Jesus has said is not guilty. That's what he's saying. And, and go and sin no more. He is simply saying not guilty. One of my favorite Bible verses, I don't have a slide for it. I just want to read it to you. You write it down. And I hope today that you write this down, jot this down. I hope that you, you read here, or read here, you leave here and read those words. Let them sit, soak in, right? Drink of them. Second, Second Corinthians 5.21. Some of you may know it if you don't. Write it down. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake. For me, for you, and for the city out there. Right? Everyone. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So today, I mean, lost in here, if you're, if you're looking for something, chances are most of you um, are Christians, you're, you're family members here at Legacy. Some of you are not. But I want to offer this to you. Uh, Whatever your story is. But, and just like my story, as, as I, as I was, I was there tearing the heart out of my best friend. 
right? My wife, my best friend, as I was, as I was ripping her heart out, walking away from her, right? seeking out a divorce, living the life of adultery, failing her and my kids, both. Maybe, maybe it's not, maybe that's not your story today. Maybe your story is you're craving, craving one more hit, one more drink of alcohol, one more, one more glance at pornography, right? He died on the cross for all of that. His grace covers all of it. We live in a cold, dark world. Fathers, our father Adam's sin separated us from a life from God, so that's why he sent his son. Shame wrecking and grace rescuing. He's, he's been faithful and is faithful to provide a lamb, a sacrifice, someone to stand in our place. It's Jesus. I want you to get this. I'm driving it home. He's already conquered uh, sin committed against you, the sin you have committed and will commit. He's conquered it. But he's speaking not guilty right now, this morning. He's speaking that to you. He's not guilty. He wrote it somewhere, too. Right? He wrote it. He wrote it not the sand. But he wrote it on a cross with his son and he wrote guilty. Right? He wrote guilty on his son so that we could be not guilty. Did we get that this morning? He made Jesus guilty so that we could be free from it and be not guilty in, in, in his eyes. For, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might, so in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it's not just for us this morning. Leaving here today... Fridays, I spoke at the laundromat. I go over there on Fridays and I talk to people on Fridays and I give them, I give them quarters, right? We want to be so right. I have people all the time that reject those quarters. We can't even accept $5 in quarters because, because of our hearts, right? So you wonder why. You sit here and go, why do people don't get this? Like, I get this. It's our hearts. It's a heart issue. They, they skate around questions about their jobs, right? Their life. It's not because they don't want to let me in. It's because they're ashamed, right? So that's, that, and, and we do the exact same thing. This city, this city, when you leave here, if you go into this week, this city is in desperate, desperate need of a Savior. But we have to pull our heads out of our belly buttons long enough to talk to them, Right? We have, to, we have to get, we have to quit navel-gazing at our own problems, navel-gazing at, at being right, getting our phones out, being on Google, and proving everyone else for the rest of the world wrong, and missing it out there, missing it in the city. And it doesn't matter, I don't I mean, honestly, this morning, it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, what zip code you live in, how big your house is, how many kids you have, where you work, where you don't work. Where you live, where you do life, community group, no community group. They need Jesus. What are you going to do about it? Right? And I'm not talking about being, being the weird evangelical Christian that's out there, you know, like passing out tracts. Not that that's bad. You pass out tracts. I'm just saying. I'm just living life as a Christian. Showing them Jesus through your life is so simple. Or are you dragging people out in the middle of town square, market square, dumping their garbage out for everyone to see? Are you loving on people like Christ loved us? So 
So walking out of here today, we've got the worship team to come up, fix some clothes and let us out of here. So walking out of here today, what do we do? We have to look up first, right? We have to quit trying to guess what's in our belly button lint. Everybody does it, so don't, don't judge me. What color is that lint, right? Quit staring at the lint. Repent first, right? Get your heart clean before God. Accept the grace that's offered to you and what you've done. Be slow to speak. And I'm not trying to give you a list. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you see it clearly. Remember who you are or where you've been, where you've come from. I'm not, I'm not boasting in what I did to my family in 2008, right, seven years ago. I'm not boasting in that, but I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid to tell you how I shamed my family and how I shamed myself in that sin. But I want to boast in the cross on what was done for me. So don't forget, remember, but drop your stones. Put your stones down. All right? Quit trying to cast that stone at somebody else for their sin and how they, maybe they've wronged you, maybe they haven't, maybe you just, you want to get involved. Whatever that looks like, looks like for you, just ask that you would drop your stone. So, as Christ bore our shame and guilt, right, as he was drove through the streets, as he was drove through the streets too, and labeled, and spit on, and beat, as all that was going down, as he was, as he was murdered on the cross, a murderous man, he did so willingly in love. He went to the cross. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, right? Willingly, he went. We're going to sing. These guys are going to sing. Why don't you go ahead and, and stand up real quick. We'll get ready to enter into worship. But as David said, we do, we do communion at the end. Most of you know this. After this morning, I'd ask that, I'd ask that you, you take communion together today, family, friends. We'll have some people at the back. We'll have some, have some guys back there just standing around those tables if you want to pray with someone. I encourage you to do that. But leave your, these empty seats that are here this morning, I just ask you to leave your shame and guilt here. Right? Not to be weird or anything. Just leave it here. Leave it in this room. Don't walk out of here with it. You have an opportunity this morning to do that. All right? You have the opportunity this morning to pray and, and allow the grace to rescue you. Right? The shame is rescued. Let the grace rescue you. God, I just ask this morning that as we, as we worship you and as we, as we step into step in this time of singing praises and making much of your name, God, I ask that you would, that you would move, that you would, uh, that you would convict, Lord Jesus, that you would draw people to yourself, that we, we would see you clearly in the midst of our sin and our shame and our guilt, God, we see that your son accomplished everything on the cross and is finished. As a song we sang at the beginning, it is finished, God. And I just pray that people see that this morning. Pray that hearts are changed. That everybody would leave their head knowledge. God, not, not trying to make much of themselves or know that you're trying to prove you prove you wrong, God. That they would their hearts would be changed, and lives lives this morning would be changed. God, we love you and we thank you.